and welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Hey, Matt, I'm so sorry for that ghost I made you be. Only one of us was real, and that was me. Hey, Ryan. Hineni, hineni. I am ready, my lord. <laughs> yes, you know that was. I was dismayed that I was not going second because that's that's more of a response than a call. Um, and and since I was calling and you were responding, uh, I I yielded the Leonard Cohen conch to you. I'm, I'm ready to sacrifice my son on the altar of this podcast. And so we are discussing, guys, You Want It Darker, the new 2016 album from Leonard Cohen. Um, the, the, uh, oh, uh, the, you could call it many things. Um, a, a, <laughs> hey, Ryan, a, is, Leonard, is Leonard Cohen an indie band? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> actually, he, almost, he is the indie band. <laughs> right. Almost 50 years since his first release, Songs of Leonard Cohen, uh, from 1967. Like, a 50-year career as a singer-songwriter. Like, you know, hey, uh, hey, Matt, should have Leonard Cohen won the Nobel Prize in literature? <laughs> Yeah, but he he wouldn't uh, like he would have he well I I want to talk about Dylan and and Leonard Cohen because apparently yeah. they're they're buddies like and, uh, and 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 actually there's like probably some of the only people though I think Leonard Cohen is older um, I think Dylan got started earlier and like probably like the one of the only people in the world who you could say is really a peer a peer artist of Bob Dylan huh. though though very different. <laughs> in very different in uh uh kind of tone and execution i i love the idea that if they were a academic literature they would just send their manuscripts to one another because they are the only peers who can review each other uh-huh. <laughs> right and otherwise they are peerless well there's a um, there's a story in um i'm gonna link i read today a fantastic Profile, New Yorker profile by no less an eminence than David Remnick, the editor of The New Yorker, um, who is, by the way, a huge Dylanologist, like is a big, big, big Dylan fan, like to the uh, to the level of like alternative versions of bootleg recordings and like, you know, journal entries written on the backs of discarded receipts, like level of of uh, Dylanology. There's a a, um, a story of Dylan and uh, and Leonard Cohen. Um, in the early 80s uh, in Paris after a Dylan show um, talking to each other about their work. And uh, I'm going I'm to read from the article now. Dylan was especially interested in Hallelujah, uh, even before three... And, and Hallelujah was first released in 1984 on, on an album, uh, late in 1984 on an album called Various Positions, um, which is actually a lot like this album in several ways. Uh, even before 300... Other performers made Hallelujah famous with their cover versions long before the song was included on the soundtrack for Shrek. And as a staple on American Idol, Dylan recognized the beauty of its marriage of the sacred and the profane. He asked how uh, he asked Cohen how long it took him to write. Two years, Cohen lied. Actually, Hallelujah had taken him five years. Wow. Co- Cohen told Dylan, I really like I and I, a song that appeared on Dylan's albums, uh, Infidels. How long did it take you to write that? About 15 minutes, Dylan said. And that's Leonard Cohen and Bob Dylan in a nutshell, as far as, you know, as far as I'm concerned. These two, these two pure artists, but like in just in completely different, uh, just in completely different universes of craft. 
Absolutely. And this is, I mean, craft is, I think, a good word to kind of segue into into the music um, because it is a it is a crafted album, right? Uh, and uh, and there is a lot of of song craft, of of kind of word craft, of of all kinds of crafts, maybe witchcraft uh, on display, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, and so um, give it a, give it a spin. And you know, if you know, both if you are and are not um, a Leonard Cohen uh, fan, either way, you may be a little taken aback at first because uh, he sings in in this the deepest um, kind of growl, most growly sprechgesang um, that uh, that that you could imagine of him, um, and and it kind of interplays with these kinds of very interesting um, arrangements in a lot of ways. Um, and so, and it's a, it's a, it's really interesting because it's a, it's an immersive but brief listen, right? That it kind of it it, it draws you in and envelops you, um, and then kind of ends um, almost as as quickly as it started, right? Uh, with a reprise of of treaty, right? Of the of the kind of string lines of treaty and a, and a revisiting of uh, the main theme of treaty. So it's a it's a quick spin, and so um, so give it a bunch of listens, um, not just not just the customary one, but give it several listens. Um, take it in, maybe explore um, the Leonard Cohen discography a little bit, um, and then meet us back here uh, to dive in to You Want a Do- Darker after this word from our commercial sponsors. Do you have a treaty that you need to sign? Oh, I do. I need to get this war over. <laughs> well, when you're signing a treaty, either in one fluid signature or letter by letter, as the president does on uh, on bills that come from Congress, you can't do better than to write with a Mont Blanc luxury writing instrument. Yes, that's right. A Mont Blanc fountain pen or a cartridge pen can be yours for for a, a surprisingly affordable price. That's that's so great. I've been just using this old-fashioned quill. <laughs> Quills are for suckers. You gotta dip the quill in ink. You gotta to sharpen the quill. Here, take this beautiful, finely balanced Mont Blanc writing instrument. Tell me how that feels. Oh, that feels good. <laughs> That's right. And you can get one for the low, low price of $272.98 for the Platinum Line Classic Ballpoint Pen. Link in the show notes. Mont Blanc, for when you wish there was a treaty you could sign. And we're back. <laughs> hey, Matt, I have a question for you. Go go for it. I'm ready to field any question on uh, on. I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan. If you hadn't, if you hadn't, uh, if you hadn't <laughs> guessed. Great. Well, I know, I, and it is, and this is great. You know, the tables are are turned actually, um, and because I think I I appreciate Leonard Cohen, um, and and have have kind of engaged with kind of you know engage with him kind of pointillistically right um but i'm kind of uh, very much uh, am excited to be um engaging with you as kind of the fan um and as the as the leonard cohenologist on this uh on this episode so i i guess i i, I have a lot of questions um <laughs> but that one comes to mind um you know, the, you know this leonard cohen um in t- 2016 you know with his all black garb with his wanting it darker with his ruminations on, on, on the divine and, and the profane uh, and on death. Uh, is he a goth? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I think you know, we so we surprise each other so little anymore. That I, I'm I'm very pleased. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, the only answer I can give is a qualified yes uh, to Leonard Cohen. Is uh, is Leonard Cohen? Um, a goth because like what is a goth right a goth is is someone uh is a teenager or a you know social group fascinated or at least kind of posing as being fascinated with some of the more uh ultimate or morbid uh questions of life um yeah. right goths are fixed on uh fixated on on death uh and the futility of of love and the futility of a lot of human effort but i i think they're more than that right i think mm. goths are um are those teenagers in the high school who are out of step with their time a little bit mm. right and who are out of step with their their social milieu that that they're kind of set apart temperamentally from the kind of the the hurly burly of adolescence and then also i think to a certain extent goths are more mythologized than they're actually interacted with by the uh by the uh, average high schooler and in in that way i think like like leonard cohn has never been a huge seller like dylan but he is so influential and there are so many tribute albums and there's so many cover versions of so many songs um like right. from from his earliest days right like suzanne was i think it might have been been covered before it was released on its own uh before it was released uh on a recording that he made um so uh, and, and I feel like that, I feel like that about goths as well. Like they're, they're always there, right? You know, they're, they're, uh, they're across the cafeteria. They're at their table. You know what I mean? Like they're always present, but you don't really listen to them. You know, right. you don't really buy whatever they're selling. Uh, they're more, they're more present. They're more part of the furniture, um, than they are uh than they are engaged with and i think that's been true of leonard cohen also in his uh um in in his career as well so he's not he's not not a goth or he's not not uh uh goth like in certain i mean in in certain respects does that get at what you were trying to ask yeah, I think that I think that gets at one element of it. I think that the other element, I mean, there's one there's I think another element that kind of links made me think about the gothiness is in some of the music itself. And I mean, especially I think on the opening track on the title track you want it darker and that baseline that comes in, it feels like this kind of post-punky baseline, right? And it feels like something you know, that with just like a lot more distortion could be like on, I don't know, like on, on pu um, public image limited's metal box. Right. Well, or right yeah. Of sure. Is, I mean, you know, is he goth or is he sort of glam? You know? Yeah. Right. Well, right. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, cause there's something also kind of doorsy about the organ hits on that, uh, that, uh, and, but that it kind of, it lives in this kind of, you know, joy division doors space. Right. Um, and that, uh, but that, that in the kinds of how the music, the glam or even like kind of elements of like kind of dark psychedelia or of chamber pop. Right. I almost asked you if this is a chamber pop record. Yeah. Uh, as and, well, the answer, is, and the answer is, is 
that is unequivocally yes uh, because like a lot but, of this record was was recorded like while he was in his sickbed right like <laughs> while he was like reclining and like emailing vocal tracks to his son who was the producer uh who was the producer of the record and who's thanked profusely in the, in the liner notes for kind of rescuing the project uh when a back injury made him unable to sort of uh move it forward you know yeah, I mean, exactly. It exactly has that. And and I think that, you know, by having that kind of chamberedness, right, the chamberedness in both sonics and in, in means of production. And, and then and then I think that proximity of like actual kind of pro- of proximity of kind of mortality. Right. And, and of, of kind of death and of, of age and of kind of a lifetime of 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 kind of of well of living right uh and and, and of, of various kind of emotions um to to work through kind of gives this this element of kind of it's it's kind of lived in goth right it's it's veteran goth right uh as opposed to you know it's it's goth it's goth practice versus goth theory well yeah right? so i <laughs> I was going to, I mean, what, had I felt like jumping in, I was going to ask about something that we've, that I've talked about in, in, especially in this kind of like indie folk space, uh, this kind of indie folk confessional songwriting space is like, is this, um, is this an adolescent album? Right mm. to uh, because of its kind of fixation with roman uh, on romantic entanglements, or because it has, uh, you know, it's not it's not not like Frankie Cosmos, right? It's not <laughs> right. it's not not like Waxahachie. It's not not like the those uh you know so uh, some of the Ben well, Gibbard stuff not, it's not yes yeah, not not like bright eyes right, right? exactly uh, like and oh, even like even like a treaty i think actually has some elements in the, in the phrasing um is very actually i mean it's 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 like the um oh, what's the bright eyes song if i walk away you walk away um yeah uh, another one that you mean it's yeah, yeah, called, yeah, right. uh, um Oh, we'll come. We'll figure it out in a second. It's called, it's called Google Bright Eyes. If I walk away, you walk away. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and so there's a very similar kind of um, vibe there, both in kind of elements of the delivery, but in the content, right? Uh, yes. And yeah, I mean, that. Landlocked Blues. Landlocked Blues. Oh, is right. right. Song. Go on. <laughs> Right, it's on your favorite Bright Eyes album. <laughs> it is, but the, yeah, I guess. Uh, right, I, I. It's funny now considering it. I see more similarities than differences. But I take your, I take your point. Um, I take your point, none, nonetheless. Uh, there is this kind of like plotting sound that yeah. both that both have. I think. Uh, um. Anyway, I, I, I don't want to get sucked on the thing. You, you, you think that Leonard Cohen is much better than Bright Eyes. <laughs> yes, I do. And I don't. We can leave it at that. <laughs> pretty, pretty much that's the like that, that long pregnant pause. That was the import of that yeah, long I'll pregnant pause. I'll sign that treaty right away. <laughs> the, the thing, though, that like distinguishes it from some of those other things to me is his, is his age and the fact that like he's coming at uh, he's coming at sort of ultimate questions or he's coming at a kind of morbid um uh fixation right like uh the hard way right or or having earned it um 
having earned it in a sense that like, I don't, that, that kind of annoys me when, when some of those other, uh, when some of those other writers haven't, um, haven't earned it. And, well, yeah, like when a relationship fails for an 82 year old, it has failed. <laughs> like it's it's had its chances, or, right? Like or like it, he's it, not. It, yeah, there's he, a context, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, and it's also like a little bit. It's all. It has to all be memory, right? Because he right. doesn't. He doesn't yeah. have. He can't at that age have the the same sort of urgent erotic entanglements that you have. Uh, that you have when, when you're a younger man and, and Lord knows this guy had some erotic, uh, erotic entanglements. Like one of the things, um, uh, one of the things that I did on this for, after reading this New Yorker article was search on YouTube for uh, a clip called Why It's Good to Be Leonard Cohen. Um, <laughs> it's a documentary, a tour documentary of uh, Leonard Cohen um, of, uh, of a tour he was on. And it's like a clip of beautiful women abjectly throwing themselves at him <laughs> like like cut cut together like a a a uh, uh a german actress and then an israeli singer both of them famous and both of them uh young and astonishingly beautiful like trying to get off with leonard cohen and him kind of be kind of, like he's clearly flattered but not all that into it right like uh he's definitely had that and there there's always been this these two um there've always been these kind of two threats in in his songwriting the the kind of romantic uh the kind of romantic songs and then the existential or religious or kind of ultimate question um songs and that like and they they cross over and blend in different ways you can kind of look at it as a continuum rather than as being two separate camps and so some songs are really uh, firmly established at one end and some songs like blend elements kind of blend down the the scale a little bit in in ways that are interesting and i think treaty is is one of those you know what i mean i i think treaty is one of those for sure where the um uh the the treaty is the treaty is sort of alter is like with a higher power or the treaty is with a uh, an ex lover or a lover yeah. that you're trying to make uh a lover that you're you're trying to make an ex lover and there there is a way in which the collapse of a uh, there's a way in which a collapse of a relationship, especially a a long or very deep relationship, can actually kind of throw you back on existential questions, yeah. right? Because a little bit when when and I mean I say this all not to get personal, but I you know but it really bears on what's going on here. Like there's a sense in which when something something fails that has been kind of worked its way into your identity, right? That those, those questions of like, who am I? What's it for? Uh, is happiness possible? Does love exist? Do, you know what I mean? Like, are all my happy friends just fooling themselves? Um, you know, uh, am I lucky that I, that am I lucky that I'm not married and have to do a couple's Halloween costume every year? Like those, those questions, right? Yup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, those questions really come to the, uh, I mean, I, I say it facetiously, but I don't mean it facetiously. Like the, those questions really come to the fore and that like, that's, that's what's happening uh, that's what's happening here. Uh, you know, like all the songs, like you want it darker treaty, uh, all the, all the songs could be, um, 
uh, I'm leaving the table. Right? Yeah, sure. Like, uh, if I didn't have your love, right? Is it the? Is it the? I couldn't lift the veil and see your face. Is that like the Shroud of Turin, and it's like the divine face or something, or is it yeah. like, or is it the? the <laughs> yeah, like, I guess these all could be breakup songs with God, right? <laughs> and like, and there's a, there is a, you know, the, I don't know. If you've ever been in this situation, it can happen not just romantically, not just in the case of like a, a death or or a, a kind of catastrophe. It can happen in a lot of ways. Like if you've ever been about to fall, been about to injure yourself, right? And there's a sense that and time has slowed down. Uh, uh, time has slowed it down. I should say Sloan being not a word. Um, <laughs> Unless it, it, it proceeds Kettering in the well-known <laughs> cancer hospital. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, not, not totally, not, you know, totally off topic here. Right. Like, um, what, like you're, you're about to fall and you accept that you're about to fall, like either in that that weird way that time can slow down when when you kind of see a uh, when you see an accident uh, <laughs> impending, um, when you accept that the fall is coming, when you accept the catastrophe, like there is a kind of wry humor that becomes available to you, yeah, like yeah. a uh, uh, and it's a it's a it's a it's the blackest humor, uh, uh, the blackest humor of catastrophe. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still, it's still humor and, and a little bit that's like, uh, a a little bit, the, it's a bit like the title of you want it darker and the lyric, um, is that, that refrain is, is trolling, right? It's, Oh, you want it darker? Do you (laughs) like, let's, (laughs) uh, let's, let's, let's kill the flame. And I think that you can like, as, as dire as it gets existentially, um, emotionally, uh, you know, uh, in terms of religion, like as dire as it gets, I think there's always kind of a smirk in, in this. And that's one of the wonderful things. That's one of the wonderful things about it because it's not the facile, it's not a facile irony. It's a, uh, an extraordinarily hard one irony. And Mm -hmm. I just, I just relate to that so much right now. Yeah. And I guess that is, that is the thing that makes it, that's the qualification on the yes to the gothiness, right? Is, is the kind of level of the, the levels of self-awareness, right? Um, and, and the kind of, and is the kind of, is the humor. I mean, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's a kind of similar question that, uh, I, I guess we could have asked the question, uh, that I asked about drum last week. Uh, is this a comedy album? Right. (laughs) Um, and I mean, it's a, it's a it's a dark comedy right yeah. uh, and it is a comedy uh in the ways that are that are funny um i mean even and because it's it's that i think that another way of, of putting this is that, that there are some of these um like lines that are just kind of um you know strange or or kind of uh very committed even the i'm ready my lord right <laughs> Um, it's so dramatic, right? Um, and, and especially that's like entirely spoken. So that's um, the, so, uh, uh, Hineni is what Abraham said, uh, yeah. to the almighty when he was instructed to sacrifice Isaac, uh, on, on the mountain. Right. And so it's actually like, 
uh, and and Hineni means I think literally it means here I am, right? Or right. Uh, but or it means like good to go. Uh, the the force of it is like good to go, uh, and so it's it's almost a translation. Hineni, Hineni, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready, my my uh-huh. my lord. But I like actually the first before I saw lyrics for this and then was led down the <laughs> was led down the. I thought he was saying like hey na na or like hey Say, yeah hey nay nay hey nay nay <laughs> yeah exactly like like Sean na 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 like or or like you know hey uh. (laughs) or van morrison or something like that and like um and i and then so to me there's that almost like doo-wop-y that's another level of the joke right like there's this almost there's this almost doo-wop-y thing because what if it were like shanana shanana i'm ready my lord right that would be (laughs) that would be hilarious yeah and that's how I still kind of hear it, even though that I know um, it is uh, Hebrew. It is it is also scat singing, right? <laughs> like these these two things are not mutually exclusive, <laughs> um, right? It's uh it's it's maybe the darkest of the puns. Right? <laughs> if you want it darker, here's a pun. <laughs> that's the darkest reality of all life. <laughs> um, is that. This great poet and uh, and songwriter uh, is also a punster. <laughs> sure, uh, and that is and that is reality. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's great. I mean, and, and I guess. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, sure. I mean, like one thing we could talk about a little bit is the sound of uh, the sound of the record and like the sure. kind of the the musical styles before we dive into before we dive into songs because I think there's a lot to say about pretty much. Uh, about pretty much every song, but I think okay. So like, let's Welcome, get ready for the four hour. You want it darker? <laughs> Here's a four hour podcast on Leonard Cohen. <laughs> um, we kill the flame. Uh, the, it, it, that's not the Christian Bale Batman voice. That's actually Leonard Cohen. That, you know. <laughs> Although I think there are multiple times where Christian Bale's Batman kills flames uh, <laughs> in one way or another. That's how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want it darker, Bane? Um, <laughs> uh, kill the Bane. Yes. <laughs> oh. uh, the. Um, I, I don't know how you would de- describe this. It's like a sort of old-fashioned-y, almost oompa-y, blues-inflected, like, it's not even dad music, it's grandpa music. It's, uh, like, it sounds more like Edith Piaf than it sounds like any American pop singer-songwriter. Uh, right, um, almost like um- oompa band or, or Eastern European um, at at times uh so so like early early in his career a lot of the leonard cohen stuff sounded like guitar vocal singer songwriter stuff and there's there's a there's kind of a troubled production history to certain things like not everyone got the sort of spare uh like west you know greenwich village folk aesthetic that he was that he was kind of going for um and he like he was part of a scene where there was a lot of a lot of stuff going on in in New York at the time but then like fast forward to uh 1984 to um uh various positions and then subsequent subsequent records where the production just is is off the chain and not totally in a good way like various positions is an album that has this 
blending of the sacred and the profane of the kind of the the religious and the erotic uh and and, and also a lot of a lot of cynicism a, a less resignation there's still a little more like anger and and uh kind of energetic thrashing at this at the uh at the unfairness of of it all uh rather than the kind of the profound acceptance that i think that permeates this album but the whole thing is way the hell overproduced uh with like orchestral uh everything and like choirs and uh you know like uh hallelujah is sort of it's it's still great like it's still unquestionably great and i having like become acquainted with that song through that recording i have a soft spot in my heart but it's it's way overproduced right like and it's not it's it's so bombastic that the kind of that there's no contrast there's almost no dynamics and then like there's like uh, the synth pop phase <laughs> like that right. happens that happens uh after and and a lot of it like though i think those those songs are good i'm less familiar with that that era than i am with like songs from a room songs of love and hate and songs of leonard Co- the songs trilogy the songs trilogy <laughs> right. at the at the beginning um that like uh uh, this is given that kind of like unfortunate um, tendency to kind of obscure what was very good about the songs with overproduction. Um, and by the songs, I mean like the melody, harmony and lyrics uh, with these textures that don't that don't to me necess- that the songs necessary aren't necessarily crying out for. Um, this is so good. And the kind of the spare, the spare quality, uh, the spare quality of the production and all the space in the arrangements, um, really, uh, uh, really highlights, um, the, the, the really highlights what's good about the songs. And it's not like there's no, it's not like there's nothing there. Like there's yeah. blues and on the level, there's kind of a, uh, March, uh, kind of feeling in treaty, a very like dirge, like funeral March kind of thing. um, there's some country there's a little like parisian jazz like you know a, a weird weird uh uh kind of parisian street cafe music in some of it it's you know it th- there's still v- great variety and a huge range of influence but it's it's all um uh stripped down to its essentials in a way that to me is a, a big positive yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. But it is this is it's not minimalist per se, but it's kind of parsimonious, right? It's it's kind of doing like a lot with kind of the fewest number of elements, but it's still kind of saying, well, but like you know, occasionally in that kind of spirit of par- uh, parsimony, it's still having a a you know a string section right uh, on a given song, right, sure. or um, an, an organ, right. But it's all very deliberate and added in kind of sequentially. It's very rarely kind of all at once, or even kind of a, a gradual, you know, a, a a swelling or kind of smearing, but rather these kinds of um, small elements, uh, elements that kind of add in um, and achieve a kind of um you know a such a perfect balance that you don't even notice them right um and that and and i think that that they do a lot i think the other thing to kind of highlight is that because of the largely kind of 
um, speak singing and the kind of deep like bass register of, of his voice at this point um, that and the kind of texture, the rough. I mean, especially if you listen to this with good headphones. I mean, you like you feel like the kind of sandpaperiness of it. Right. That there is it's a it's a tactile voice in your ears. Right. And you feel it kind of kicking around and rubbing up against up against your eardrums. Um, and, and so that a lot of the kind of elements of kind of um, melody and, 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 and harmony are kind of carried in the arrangements. And this is a very interesting thing. Thing, but because they're they're very subtle and yet they're extremely tuneful, even as they are kind of also in the background, mm-hmm. right? Um, and there's something just so kind of magical about that, right? Yeah. Because it, I kept it, trying to turn this record up hot, louder, and just because it's so low, a lot of it is just so low. Unless you have like extraordinary speakers, unless it was on like my main stereo, uh, and not any like portable computer, you know, or, you know, small speaker, like, like four inch speaker kind of, uh, situation that I have, like, you just can't get it loud you know in the in the same way i love the idea of putting this on in like a really like jacked up car stereo system like i got really right. like totally optimized like subwoofer in the trunk and just rolling down the street well it should be yeah it should be like a hot rod that's like on hydraulics that like exactly. you know stops and goes and just has one of the that's meant for the like the boom bap for the like the bass drum in hip-hop yeah. music but that you just put this on and Leonard let yes. it go and voice causes the car to to bounce you know yes it's the bass drum of mortality right um yeah it's it is i mean the bass it is you know in a in a year you know we've covered um skrillex and diplo and yet this is still maybe the bassiest music (laughs) you know these beats drop the hardest (laughs) right Um, of of anything right (laughs) when yeah when you're beat down uh, you can drop beats because the beatings, <laughs> the beats are dropped on you. Uh, I think let's let's talk about the, some of the, the lyrical content though, because I think we've set the stage um, musically, and so and and we've kind of you know talked about a few of the songs um, and some of the kind of overall thematic elements. But I think that um, what are some of the songs where the the kind of lyrics and music really come together for you, um, and kind of uh, to to make something that's um, you know really compelling or interesting well i like uh, uh the the song to me the real earworm is treaty uh yeah. and that you know and that's not just because you hear it twice on the record but something like i get the melody is very simple it's ba 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 i wish there was a treaty we could sign and and like i was just kind of going around with this plotting plotting in in my head all the time this kind of dirge like uh this dirge-like funeral march. Can, uh, can you talk about treaties a little bit from the, like, <laughs> is there a theory? Uh, I mean, is there a body of theory around treaty construction and, and what they're for, right? Like I, cause like a treaty is, a, a treaty is like in lieu of war or like a, a company's cessation of hostilities, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think that what is, um, it almost like 
codifies antagonism uh, in in a stable in a stable way, right? Well, and and I think what is interesting about it, and the the piece of this that I I latched onto, and, and that I, I've been trying to wrap my head around, is not just that uh, you know, it's not just that I wish there was a that that you and I um, could sign a treaty, right? But the way, right? So he kind of goes um, in this first verse. Um, from the second half of the first verse, I wish there was a treaty we could sign. I do not care who takes this bloody hill. I'm angry and I'm tired all the time. I wish there was a treaty. I wish there was a treaty between your love and mine. Right. Right. And so this is a – it's like a proxy war. Yeah. Right. Um, and and so it's like it is a war that – because the, the idea of that there are um, – that, that it's not just a treaty between – the two people, but between the loves, right? And so that somehow I'm trying to think about um, I'm trying to think who though is the principal and who is the agent, right? Um, so because I think that well, I th- the- no, I think the love, I think the love is the agent, right? Like, and that's yeah. and I think that's it. Where is the? I see. I was about to just say the opposite, <laughs> like that so the we- love is that the love is the principal and the the person does the bidding of the. Well, okay, yeah. so like here's but here's the thing, like I I think that like the point of the love is that it doesn't bend to your will, right? Like the mm-hmm. the point of your love is that you you feel your love and mine is that. Like we feel things, we partners feel things for each other that we would not necessarily wish to feel for each other. Like, yes, and that there's right a kind right. of ungovernable quality. Uh, there's kind of a, an ungovernable quality to being in love some with someone, and that like that feeling can persist. Uh, feelings of tenderness or feelings of of like just profound connection uh, can persist l- long after the. the relationship in fact is over right and long after the 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 you would wish the feelings to uh to be gone and so you it's almost like you wish that these it's almost like you have these armies you know and i mean that that like are uh that have a logic of their own yeah yeah Uh, yeah. well i guess so right so again i think it's interesting though right so there's two possible perspectives on this one is like if the the um love is is the combatants right then it's it's a language of kind of um see then it's a language of um what is in the literature known as um uh ddr uh disarmament demobilization and reintegration (laughs) Right. So it's, it's, I wish we had a DDR program for our loves. Um, but so why I think it's the love are the countries and the people are the soldiers is, is cause that's who signs the treaties, right? The, the soldiers, um, the combatants don't sign the treaties. Right. Um, it's the, it's the warring par- uh, parties. Um, and so that the idea I think is that, the love is still waging this war. Um, and so I wish there was a treaty that, that, um, you know, I wish there, I wish the love, the love would be able to find peace because then I would be able to find peace. Um, and so it's, it's kind of being, so it is kind of a sense of kind of, um, there being kind of, uh, these rogue forces, but it's the rogue forces that are kind of, um, leading to these kind of great power it's the great power politics of the heart uh-huh. right um because that there is you know that part of um theory around 
treaties. So part of the theory around treaties, right, is that um, this is between it's an agreement between equals, um, you know, in a in a international system where there is no state above these parties. Right. Um, and so that um, there isn't it's not a, a contract, right, because a contract can be enforced by the state. Um, and so that 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 part of this is that it's a agreement um that that is not kind of enforceable by a third par- third party or in a court of law, strictly speaking. And so that I mean, that's an interesting thing, and that actually that uh, kind of perspective highlights something that. Uh, I think is true of a lot of these songs, which is that uh, one of the side effects of love is that it's very isolating. It's very Mm -hmm. like, it's not like we, Mm -hmm. we are a couple and we're in a context of other couples, right? Or there are, you know, um, there are rules. It's, it's really, even, even though one of the governing metaphors is like, I'm out of the game, the card game, the dice, roll the dice, play the cards, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the table, which I think is another one, right? From another song. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, all that um even in the context of a game it's really it's you versus the dealer you know it's you uh, uh rather like you're always playing the house you know rather than uh, yeah. rather than there being a large rather than there being a large uh a large social contract or uh, sorry social context i mean i guess like the idea the idea of a treaty is that like there is a there is an international community um that will keep you honest so that you can't just you know uh, you can't just uh, refuse to to honor your commitments because, like, you're in a you're in a network of other relationships. Yeah, there's that will there's re- there's reputational like effects, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And and people aren't going to want to do business with you if you don't. I mean, if you don't sort of put your money where your, where your um where your mouth is, and the the kind of the 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 force of the kind of isolating power of love is that it's almost like this. Uh, it's almost like uh love is a war of attrition a little bit right like there's mm-hmm. there's almost no there's almost no dominant strategy other than inflicting maximum possible losses on your opposite number so that yeah. uh uh <laughs> so that so that you can so that you can win and i think like actually in like knowing that having gamed that out a little bit uh a treaty sounds like the right you know, sounds like the right equilibrium, um, to find. And it's all, it's almost not like, it's not like the treaty is offered, right? Like it's, it's, it's longed for, but it doesn't exist. Like, I wish there was a treaty that we could sign. Well, that's why, and and that's why it's also like, there's such a sense of, um, a lack of kind of of agency there right it's like man i wish there was something i could do right i wish there was a treaty um but in absence of a a treaty i keep fighting right right um and we keep kind of suffering um i mean i think there's a lot of other kind of um interesting lines uh in this song about kind of identity and and realness as well right i mean i I just the um um the the first kind of couplet right i've seen you change the water into wine i've seen you change it back to water too um and then later on um the line i heard the snake was baffled by his sin uh he shed his scales to find the snake within but born again is born without a skin the Poison enters into everything, right? And um, and it's I mean that's it's a, it's a little hard to parse, but I think this idea of 
kind of finding what is within and kind of what what like what in both of these sets of lines they both connect this idea of like what things really are right um and, and calling things for what they are and i guess that's the the, uh, the other couple that i i kind of mentioned in my intro line that connects to this is right the only one of us was real uh and that was me right <laughs> well yeah that, i mean it's it's a uh yeah, it it's a thing that can happen in in relationships with people uh where the other person is sort of built up into something. Yeah, right? Exactly. Like where there's a sort of notional role or a kind of notional personality or a kind of notional set of characteristics and you can kind of come in the same way that like an enemy in war is vilified, right? In the same way that yeah. there's like there's a kind of in, inter uh, intra psychic propaganda machine yeah. that yeah. operates in that yeah. has to operate in relationships, like because honestly, like just with the vicissitudes of life, just with the kind of ups and downs of normal shit every day, like the relationships that last are the ones that survive a cycle of disillusionment and reillusionment. So this, it's not necessarily like, Oh, this is like deeply sick. This process of like, Oh, making the other person into something, you know, uh, something via, via like projection and wishing, um, uh, the ghost that you made them be like, that's a normal, that's a normal part, uh, of the relationship. I think like, and, and then it kind of gets torn down and then it gets built back up in, in a different way. Like, and, and like the relationships that don't survive, I think are the ones where the ghost takes over or where you actually can't make a ghost, you know, and that like a little bit, if you've been sustaining a ghost for more than four hours, (laughs) please call a doctor, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, and that like a lot of guys is a, a Leonard Cohen's age have trouble making ghosts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that is. I mean, those drugs are for are for guys in that situation. That's the demo. Um, yeah. Well, what uh, what else? What, uh... Leonard Leonard Cohen's psychic Viagra. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. We should move on, probably, yeah. right? Like, I think we've done. I think we've signed the treaty. It's, not- <laughs> it's been notarized. You've signed, yeah, uh, signed and and. Um, my treaty is signed, sealed, and delivered. <laughs> I, I mean, I think steer your way is another one that might be worth a uh, um, a deep dive if there's a lot. Uh, uh, you know, if there's a lot to it, because it's a little bit, this is like, this is Leonard Cohen's Inferno a little bit, right? Like this is sort of the way this is his kind of like phantasmagoric, uh, horror vision, uh, of the world, right? The ruins of the altar and the mall, uh, the fables of creation and the fall, the palaces that rise, uh, that rise above uh, above the rot, and there's like there's a lot that can be said about this world. Um, like you have to navigate through it. Uh, there are these kind of magnificent edifices that are, um, if not pristine, that are at least. Uh, 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 you know, well constructed and defended, right? The altar and the mall, the palaces, mm. and so on. Um, and then there's the rot, right? Like there is this sort of sense of, uh, there is this sense of decay, or or this sense of, um, 
the sense of of like destitution. I mean, it's sort of like stereo, like it's it has kind of a zombie apocalypse feel to it to me. You know what I mean? Where like part of the point of it is that the uh, uh, part of the point of it is that like you you have to navigate through uh, these bad um, you have to navigate through these kind of bad landscapes and and find your own way and not be like not be uh, uh, seduced by the precincts the gentrified precincts of uh, the altar in the mall. Yeah, it's also a little bit um, like a video game, right? And this is like a walkthrough, right, uh, on a video game. Um, it's like it's it's like Leonard Cohen's like Nintendo Power magazine, right? Of uh, uh, here's how to uh, here's how to make it through, right? All right, steer your way past the altar in the mall, uh, past the creation of the fall, um, and that's where you find like the mega boss, right? <laughs> um, and uh, and then and, right, and, if the mega boss even exists, there is no mega boss. And if there is, I hate him. I hate him forever. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's it's. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think that this is also right. Say the mea culpa, which you probably forgot. Right. Um, uh, it, it is. It is really. I mean, it is interesting. We talked about you talking about kind of adolescence. Um and and I think that there the way in which this is kind of adolescent or is kind of again gothy again is this kind of in these kinds of ways of raging um against God or kind of kind of being cynical about uh God, which is kind of something that comes up in all of these, you know, is that you know, one of the things that God is uh represented as is a father, right? And so, you know, that there is something very adolescent about You're being not like, my real dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You're not my real dad, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, right. I I'm think- Leonard and you're God and I'm out of here. <laughs> Uh, yeah i mean that's that's sort of i mean it's it's yeah it's funny and it's kind of interesting it's interesting to think about and it's interesting because i think it provides another framework for understanding why a lot of adolescent uh stuff uh uh just annoys me whereas this whereas this kind of strikes me to my to to like the depths of my soul right like there there are levels of no that you hear in your life, right? And like the first one is your parents saying no, you know, like, uh, and, and then like the, the no that you hear as an adolescent, no, you can't go out. No, you can't go, uh, to the mall. You have to steer your way past the altar and the, and the mall and come home, <laughs> right. come home before right. your curfew. Um, you know, but there are, profounder levels of no right like no you can't have the job maybe is one of them no you can't have the lover that you want and uh, ultimately no you are going to die and and that when when you accept that final no right there is a there is a there is a kind of raging at dad that that becomes uh that becomes really more about the human experience than it is about your uh about your um your own uh, individual bullshit, whatever it is, right? Like third verse of this, uh, 
third verse of this song, steer your way through the pain that is far more real yeah. than yeah. you, uh, that smashed the cosmic model, that's blinded every view. Uh, and please don't make me go there, there, there be a God or not, year by year, month by month, day by day, thought by thought. The, the, idea, the idea that the pain is far more real than you, because the pain is a, is a universal human experience, and your, mm-hmm. uh, your consciousness is a kind of a phenomenon, right? Uh, is a kind of emergent property or is a, uh, uh, is a, is a kind of transient thing. Uh, whereas the, whereas I, this sounds, uh, uh, pretty dire, but like, uh, whereas the pain is, you know, uh, the pain is, is forever. And, and as you, you will pass away, but as long as there, uh, as long as there are people, there will always, there will always be this, uh, there will always be this pain. Yeah, that's, I mean, and I think it's, it's something else just to kind of pulling back from this song again, back to context. I think one thing that I was thinking about with, with the song, with this album as a whole is just this, this whole fucking year of 2016 in music. Right. And, and all of the kind of, um, great musicians that, that we've lost. I mean, of uh, Bowie and, and Prince and, uh, Fife dog, um, and, and kind of numerous others and kind of, you know, and, um, you know, Bowie's album in the beginning year of the year kind of had elements of this, but this is an even more kind of striking re- like reflection of kind of this kind of real ultimate pain uh, in in music, right? And uh, and kind of in a year where you know that. Um, you know that that we experience these like losses of abilities of of kind of artists to kind of create you know these the, uh, these experiences and and, and kind of navigate you know, engage in this navigation this kind of ability to kind of you know provide the last set of instructions right or the last set of dispatches from the journey um, I think are really um, interesting and really um, poignant um, just given the context and 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 what is on I think the kind of overall cultural mind um, with with so many losses of, of great musicians this year. Right? Well, the, okay. So, so there's a, there's a section in this, I, I have a lot of complicated thoughts about that, that I, because I think that's a, a really profound, I think that's a, a really profound territory to tread on. Like, um, I, again, from this New Yorker article, uh, uh, Cohen confesses an antipathy for the Beatles, uh, and says he was annoyed by girlfriends who like was really into the Beatles. Um, huh. You know, he said, uh, uh, and this is a quote from the article, I'm interested in things that contribute to my survival, he said. I had girlfriends who really irritated me by their devotion to the Beatles. I I didn't begrudge them their interest, and there were songs like Hey Jude I could appreciate, but they didn't seem to be essential to the kind of nourishment, uh, to the kind of nourishment that that I craved. And, like, say what you will about the greatness of the Beatles, and you can say a lot, like... He's on to something a little bit, yeah. And, and this idea, you know, this idea of uh, I, I was actually I, when I read that, I was kind of thinking about this podcast a little bit, and the fact that we've done now, you know, three years plus worth of weekly music podcasts, right? And that, like, though, though we have themes, though we have kind of concerns that we return to being who we are it's almost like the great conversation will never end and and 
I, I think it has something to do with the nourishment that we crave from music. And it's ultimately a mm. thirst, a thirst that can never be slaked. So we'll keep going back. Right. And there's always a need to make more music because you have to make music today, uh, a little bit. And there's, you know, there's this, this famous, uh, passage from Dickens where he talks about the death of people and kind of a book uh, with the metaphor of a book mm. slamming shut, uh, like a book slamming shut when I had read but a page and the kind of tragedy of that, like no longer can I kind of turn over the page, this, this book in my hand and hope one day, um, uh, hope one day to read it all, right? This kind of fantasy of full completion of total knowledge of, uh, uh, of kind of encountering someone who you don't make a ghost, uh, is, is always doomed. Right. And, and that like, and, and it's, uh, it's always incomplete, like, uh, you know, in Blackstar, like one of the, the wrenching things about Blackstar is, is like he knew, you know, like yeah. when, and yeah. when it came out, we didn't know, but he knew, you know, yeah. and like re- li- listening back to it is tough. And like, there's almost something more, uh, there's almost something more, um, wrenching about this because we know and he knows and yeah. and he knows that we know and we know that he knows and on and on yeah. down that down that kind of hall of mirrors you know and that- yeah it's, it's like the letter cohen theory of mind right <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah, and, it's, and- it's despair it's right it's it's like isolation all the way down yeah. Well, and, and, and again, and that's like, and getting back to like this kind of these, this idea, I mean, it is so interesting, right? It's again, and getting back to one of our fundamental concerns of for realness, right? Is that that kind of that, that is the kind of for realness of, uh, that, that he is kind of plumbing here. Well, it's, right. Yeah. It's, like the, the, yes, I'm sorry. You, you finish. Cause I, no, 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 I, I, I think, think that's it. I, I don't know if I had a landing spot. Well, it's, it's, I think the landing spot is like, it's the for realness of not being for real because it can never be complete. Right. Yes. Of, right. Because it's never, it's yeah. never wholly the thing that you want. Like, actually, I think that, that thinking about this, I mean, the Leonard Cohen theory of mind is one way to put it. I feel like this, this song that we're still notionally talking about steer your way is a little allegory of the soul because it's about kind of navigating. It's about like the, the individual navigating the world um, and like how you make those, how you make those choices and what the kind of archetypal forces are that, that uh, surround you and go into those, uh, go into those decisions. But like you calling it a, a video game walkthrough is really instructive because like people do full completion of video games and like they go back and play every side quest. They right, meet every right. character. They have every interaction and see every cut scene and complete every mission right and and that's not that that's possible because uh that's possible because um the video game is finite but time at least as we experience it is infinite like eternity is infinite god is infinite whatever you know whatever you say and so nothing you can't be for real uh you can't be for real because you can't be god you know and uh and you can't know god and the the uh the the for realness is a kind of ultimate submission to the provisionality to the not realness uh to the ghost-like nature of everything man right so when so in that way (laughs) this will be our last podcast (laughs) (laughs) you you want it darker (laughs) i'm ready my lord (laughs) 
And if you're ready, uh, you know, the, um, join us on our continued walkthrough of the infinite, uh, the, the infinite video game of music, life, and all of existence. Um, uh, because this uh, this episode will end as all episodes end. Um, but the um, the 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 kind of time marches on. Um, and and I think you know on this day, no, steer, yeah, steer you, away through the podcast that is far more real than you. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Uh, instead, steer back towards us um, uh, again and again. Uh, and there are so many ways to um, continue this conversation. Uh, your reactions on Leonard Cohen, on um, on You Want It Darker, um, uh, on Facebook, uh, we're Theory for Turntables, TFT Podcast, on um, on Twitter, um, and on the show notes on overthinkingit.com, um, and can keep the conversation going. Um, and I think that this is one, um, in kind of this kind of working through this provisionality, um, is this kind of this, I, I think it's, I think what you said, Matt is exactly right of that. There is kind of, you know, this com- combination of nourishment and a kind of hunger for more nourishment, right? And so that there's this, a, a sense of satisfaction and then a kind of immediate sense of kind of dissatisfaction or or additional uh, additional longing, right? This is why we, you know, you know, there's n- uh, not yet, but I mean, I'm sure there will be um, one day, one Justin Bieber album that, that that determines that we never need to listen to music ever again because um, we're full. <laughs> Um, but but till then uh we are we are not yet full uh we still we still hunger for more um we still have yet not signed the treaties um and as we are here raging up the hills uh a hill on bloody hill just know that we will keep it real